Welcome to the Inside Zone Podcast. I'm Nick Dunkerson and I'm presenting today because as part of the collective bargaining agreement between us writers and the Inside Zone overlords, I secured the right to present one podcast. Unfortunately, to secure that right, I gave up the company dental plan and now Lisa needs braces. Anyway, on with the show. I'm joined today, as always, by Editor-in-Chief, Lord and Master of all he surveys, Tom Like. How are you doing, Tom? Do you enjoy the weekend's action? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Nick. Not sure how this coup d'etat has taken place without me realising it, but now I'm. Uh, <laughs> it feels weird to be this side of the microphone. Being now, I'm sitting here nervously sweating, waiting for you to fire away questions that I'm not prepared for. So, should, well, should... that that you're always on that side of the microphone, Tom. You're always speaking into it, not coming out of it. Anyway, yeah, it was a good w- weekend of some good, some bad, some Seahawks 49ers. So, guys, today we're going to be looking at a couple of games from the weekend each. We're going to preview the interesting look, a couple of interesting-looking matchups from next weekend. And then we've got the weekly pick'ems, where I, in theory, show off my superior knowledge of predicting game winners. And we'll see how that's worked out later on. So, straight on um, weekend's games. Tom, do you want to start? What game have you got for us? Well, it's going to be very surprising for those loyal listeners of ours who know that I'm a big Dolphins fan to realize that today I will be kicking off with the Miami Dolphins LA Chargers. And before you start sighing, saying, oh, you know, Homer pick, this was actually quite a good game. And, you know, these are two young yep. teams, quite impressive teams in the AFC, you know, hopefully hoping to make a name for themselves, two young head coaches. Uh, the game finished 1917. Uh, second week in a row, the Chargers have lost a game on a. Uh, a well, last week it was, it was a blocked field goal. This week they they missed a 44-yarder. Uh, a few key takeaways I got from this was that the Dolphins' run defense really showed up. That's something that since the Dolphins transitioned to a 4-3 um, prior to the 2012 season, uh, they've always finished outside of the top 20 in run defense. And uh, in this game, and Sue looked dominant. Uh, they brought over William Hayes. Yes, the guy from Hard Knocks who doesn't believe in dinosaurs. He looked very, very good. Uh, Davon... Godshow, fifth-round pick out of LSU. I thought he looked really good in the preseason. Then you, you know, you're kind of thinking, how does that translate to the regular season? But he was actually playing ahead of Jordan Phillips by the end of the game. He had a really good game. Oh, on the flip side, uh, yeah, Chargers. You know, yet again, they struggled to run the ball. Uh, averaged less than three yards a carry. Uh, in the second half, you know, they actually had the lead, but they just couldn't run the ball. Phillip Rivers was th- throwing all three downs on the, on the constant three and outs. Uh, left tackle Russell Okun. I wasn't a big fan of this signing in the offseason. I uh, didn't think he was too great in Denver, but he, he had a really good game. Uh, Keenan Allen looks good and healthy again. Uh, it's really fun to watch Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates. You know, those two caused so many problems for uh, linebackers around the league. A few more, few more uh, little tidbits I've got here. Uh, Adam Gase largely nullified Bosa and Ingram. Uh, he had quick rhythm passing. And, I mean, Jay Ajayi got handed the rock 43.1% of the time you know so when he's carrying it 28 times a game you know, you're going to try and try and keep those guys you know uh, try try and batter into them so they're not not fresh to pin back their ears uh Jay Cutler yeah it was the return of Jay Cutler he looked efficient wasn't afraid to throw a few jump balls to Parker <clears throat> that's something we we're expecting from him a bit of a gunslinger uh, and wow what an abundance of talent man they've got the receiving core you know Jarvis Landry Devonte Parker Kenny Stills Julius Thomas uh, and <laughs> yep like like I mentioned at the start another tough loss for the Chargers uh, I actually counted since the start of 2015, they've lost 20 games by one possession or less. Uh, this is a crazy stat. Ouch. I mean, they seem to find themselves in a hole in the most competitive division in the NFL. I don't want to say it's too soon to write them off from a playoff run, but you know, when you go 0-2 in the Chiefs, 
and the Raiders look like they do. It's it's always going to be tough. and the Broncos exactly and the Broncos as well. It's always going to be difficult in that AFC West. Did you did you catch any of the game at all? Um, yeah, I watched a bit of it. Um, I, I thought I had a few takeaways coming from it. I know you mentioned JJ. I mean, how I, I worry how sustainable it is. Someone who is where you've got sort of. 30 rushing attempts and 28 of them and the only ones that are gaining positive yards are Jay as one running back. I mean, that's basically one injury away from, you know, a massive hole in offence. But, I mean, you, you say a lot of teams are one injury away from a massive hole in offence. It's just from Miami, it's a running back. Um, and yeah, we, we talked last week, didn't we, about the Chargers just blowing things at the end, and I, I, I was, I was throwing Philip Rivers under the bus, and I don't think he was quite as thrown to the bus worthy this week. But you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a pattern, isn't it? Um, and, and there, there was one play where I noticed where he would seem to be, um, where he seemed to be having an argument over his headset with the head coach about wanting to run a quick play to, um, to get the, to get a, a first down with a quarterback sneak, oh, and yeah. he sounded like his his occasional sulky self. And it's just it's just all these sort of little things that, that get to me about Phil Rivers. So, um, but yeah, not not a, not not a great day for everyone's favourite. Well, yeah, everyone's favourite rookie kicker. I was going to say the chap in Oakland's a, not a rookie, so he doesn't count. But um, Young Waku, um, hero for. Korean Americans anywhere, unfortunately missing missing an Aguayo esque two out of his three field goals. <laughs> yeah, he he was poor. I mean, uh, you know, big stage for the young rookie. Obviously, you know, he actually he actually banged the kick over last week that, that got you know ruled off because of a timeout, yeah. and then you know obviously got iced. One, yeah, next one was blocked, and then uh, also for the, the on the flip side, you know, only the Cleveland Browns could cut a kicker who two weeks later goes four or four and absolutely nails a clutch 53 yard of the win the game of a minute 10. <laughs> only in Cleveland, the factory of sadness, could could that occur. But no, Cody Parkey, he looked great. Uh, also an interesting one here that I think, I'm not sure if it's just because I'm a big Dolphin fan, but I feel like most people around the league won't know this, but uh, Lawrence Timmons, <clears throat> big contract yeah. season signed from the Steelers. He went missing Saturday night. Now, Gase has kept this situation very privately, but apparently he was angered by something. Uh, I've seen a lot of rumours that maybe it was something to do with his daughter and he wanted to fly home, but he didn't actually play with the team. Uh, didn't suit up, didn't play on Sunday. And since then, it's come out that uh, he has been suspended indefinitely. Now, that was someone who the Dolphins... He could only be well, he could only be suspended for up to four games by the terms of CBA. Yeah, but... but so, after four games, they've got to, get, they've got to let him back or... And this this is yeah, a big <clears throat> this is a big statement from Gage. You know, this is the guy who famously cut his starting guards last year, and you know, Lawrence Tim is meant to be a big part of this defense. And you know, it's just just Gase once again reinforcing this culture he's trying to build that you know every single person there's accountable. Right, no no more dolphins from me. I'm I'm done now. Yeah, I mean, I, just, just sort of, just sort of um, on that. I mean, it's a big statement from a man who makes big statements. I noticed they've traded for um, Stefan Anthony, who um, from the Saints, who could they could well have picked up on a on a free, or that's that's a. Foot, wrong football term, isn't it? But he could have been cut by the Saints. They kept him, yeah. got a fifth round of him. They'll be pleased, or they would be if they would have used that. They would if they'll ever use that fifth round as well, yeah. which they won't. Last thought on the game: um, congratulations to Antonio Gates, most touchdown catches by a tight end in NFL history, and it's very well deserved. And did you know he used to play basketball? Let's move on, shall we? Um, I am going to talk about uh, the Denver Broncos and the Dallas Cowboys, and this was a game that I think surprised a lot of us in many ways and it surprised us in a way that it probably when you think about it, you think oh yeah that makes sense um because um this was an absolute route from the broncos who were kind of fun and i don't just mean sort of vance 
Joseph's facial expression. So, like Sergio did, memorably noted in week one, he is having the time of his life. Um, during week one, we did worry that with the nose, fly zone broken up, they were going to gash yards. But as always, that's no problem if the um, front keeps getting in on the action. I mean, Von Miller looked like Von Miller again. Lael Collins had an absolutely appalling game. Oh, God, um, I mean, and we have Von Miller's two sacks. Adam Gotsis looked fantastic in the run in um, in run defense, and this is the Cowboys line that's supposed to do all that. But the result of that, I mean, this was the first game since essentially 2015 when Dallas have not been able to get a jot of a running game going. Ezekiel Elliott's eight yards on nine carries is remarkable, and that put that put too much pressure on Dak Prescott. Anytime your quarterback has to throw 50 pass attempts, it probably means that you're losing and losing comfortably we will come on to another quarterback who had to do that later on um but Prescott went into dink and dunk mode um I think only one pass um went for further than 20 yards in the air I mean that part that's partly symptomatic of a lack of time to throw that I think he's really not used to behind this Dallas line but it's also sort of that lack of confidence that comes from that that comes from falling behind that he's not had to deal with yet um the two interceptions, well, I mean, one was a desperation throw late that Aqib Talib took over 100 yards back to the house. But it is worth saying that um, there was one, um, some top Des Bryant defensive back work to stop there being a third pick at the very least. Um, and then meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Trevor Simeon, who looks more like a top 16 quarterback every day. He's making a few more throws this year. He's expanding his repertoire. It's not huge yet, but he's formed good connections with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. And it's making a huge difference to his confidence and the offense's confidence. I mean, he's still the trustworthy, careful quarterback that we all know and the things that we all associate with Dak, Dak Prescott as well. But he is getting a bit more of that edge, that sort of willingness to make good decisions. And when he grows into that, if he continues to grow into that, he could potentially be a very good quarterback in the league for a very long time. But the thing for me with the Broncos is that they're actually running the ball. I mean, we know that C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles can do it, but they were actually getting some traction behind the Broncos' O-line, other than right tackle Menelik Watson, who was abysmal. Um, so you sort of get an idea of, of what these two teams could become in a best and worst case scenarios on sort of opposite sides for Dallas, you sort of see what happens when they can't get any run game going and they can't get any pass rush outside of DeMarcus Lawrence. Um, and for the Broncos, you see what happens when the offense does more than what the offense was doing in their Super Bowl run a couple of years back that were with Peyton Manning's corpse, at quarterback. So it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to see how it comes. It's, it, I think it really goes well for Denver. I feel a little smug about being down on Dallas at the start of the season <laughs> based on this. Um, but yeah, what did you think, Tom? Did you watch this game at all? Uh, I did, yep. I watched it the following day. The fo- uh, what, So what I normally do is I normally watch a couple of games. Um, if the Dolphins are playing, I'll watch the Dolphins game, and then whichever the time that I'll watch the Red Zone. And then for the record, I don't necessarily watch if the Saints are playing. This is the difference between fandom and being a fair weather type over here. Uh, I, I caught this the following day on the um, on the old forty minute Game Pass condenser. It, it was shocking to me. I mean, I, I obviously Von Miller embarrassed right tackle Leo Collins, but I mean, someone we talked about on the podcast last week, you know, Shaquille Barrett, who we were a little bit concerned about filling in for Shane Ray. You know, we weren't too sure how he's mm. going to do, but then you know he stood up last week. He, I think it was more impressive what he managed to do against Tyron Smith than what Von Miller did against Leo Collins. Like, Leo Collins is Leo Collins. We all had concerns, but Tyron Smith is an elite left tackle, and what Barrett was able to do, you know, uh, you know, contain the run, uh, force the pocket to, to collapse around Prescott. It, it was extremely impressive, and something that we've yeah. been, something that we've been concerned about with this Broncos team for the last 
uh, I'd say two years, you know, since that Super Run was, was the run defense. It's it, it, it's something that repeatedly got them in trouble. And, you know, this is back-to-back weeks now where they've shut down Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I agree with you, you know, the Cowboys secondary was pretty much lit up, wasn't it, by, I mean, Simeon. You know, he consistently found the mismatch, soft spot in coverage, uh, his knowledge of the game. And the game seems to be slowing down for him as, as he gets more, you know, more, more starts under his, under his belt. Um this is impressive, you know, Denver really, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Chiefs and the Raiders and the AFC West, and a lot of people seem to forget about the Broncos, who, who seem to be right there as well. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, one of the best route runners uh, in the NFL, somebody, you know, go, goes underrated uh, in, in terms of like a wide receiver, De- definitely a top 10 guy. Uh, I think that's pretty much my takeaways for that. It was a, it was a, it was a fun game to watch and, and very surprising to see Zeke shut down so much. Yeah, and, and I think you I wouldn't be surprised, um, way too early prediction week two, if you got three playoff teams from the AFC West. Certainly you've got probably three of the teams who have been the best 12 teams in the league so far in this division. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I'm going to talk quickly again uh, um, Atlanta and Green Bay um, down in the south this time. And here we have another quarterback um, making 50 passing attempts and struggling. But before oh, we get to all that... I've got a bone, and, and I've, I think this every single week, and I know I am not the only person to get antagonised to this. Can returners please, please stop running the ball out of the end zone? Oh, God. Just, you, you, they, they do not have the odds in their favour. Just so often this season, it feels like for every one run that goes beyond 25 yards, you get seven or eight that are stopped at 10 to 15. It is not worth it. I mean, re- returning punts is fantastic. Kick returns, coverage is can just take advantage of the fact that they've got that extra five yards before it becomes worthwhile. I just, it's just so frustrating to watch teams starting through self-inflicted injuries at the 12 yard, the 14 yard line. It just stalls their offense. It just doesn't help. Offense wasn't really a problem in this game and it was actually the Falcons who sparked that. So, you know, it's not going to lose you the game, but here we are. And this was the Atlanta that we knew that we didn't see last week um, using both, um, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, effectively. I mean, they're both dual threat backs, but bizarrely, it was both getting to getting used more in the running game that sort of made a difference. And as well, after that, maybe after um, being shafted at by Julio Jones last week, Steve Sarkeesian actually involved him more in the offense early. Um, it, that first t- drive, which basically set the tone for the first um, three quarters, was just basically a run a pass for 15, 20 yards to Julio Jones. Fantastic. Um, they looked, in fact, in that sense, like last year's team. But the difference is just that the defence this year for Atlanta, and I know Tom Willoughby's been saying that on the site and I tried to poo-poo it, but it might turn out that I was wrong. I'm not willing to say that yet because I don't want to encourage him too much. Um, but, you know, if I was wrong and if this is if this um, defence is... And you, are, you do sort of become aware of the names in a way that you do tend to do when a defence is becoming sort of more renowned. You know, you look at kind of Devondre Campbell, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, Desmond, we knew about Desmond Trufant, but Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett. Um, and they've got Dontari Poe in the middle now as well, haven't they? It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's quite impressive. So why did the defence look better? Well, I think partly it was because the Packers just weren't on it. Um, so they were missing base starting tackles. Um, David Bakhtiari and Brian Belaga are very good tackles. So anytime you miss 
two players like that, it's going to make a big difference. But that often left Rogers throwing under a lot more pressure than you see him. You associate him more with having all this time in the pocket, five, six seconds to wait for Jordy Nelson to get open, hurl them down, first down, and just kind of an inevit- it's an inevitable thing, isn't it, with Green Bay when that happens. But um, here was something a bit weird. Now, I've not seen anyone say anything about this, so even if I've not been reading the right things or what, but Rogers' throwing action looked a bit weird, mm. quite a lot. He was leaning back slightly. It was an abbreviated delivery, so he wasn't... I mean, he's got quite a quick release, but it, it looked almost a bit sort of um, like a arm shot, arm punt, shot put type um type affair. It's not why I associate with him. It's not this kind of like short, sharp, jerky motion. He's not a beautiful, smooth throw of a football. So I don't know if he was injured. I I didn't see the injury report, so I can't say anything. But it just surprised me. Maybe it was just that he was rattled by the pass rush and he was getting a bit edgy. Pass rush does that to the best of um, quarterbacks. Um, That said, I think the Packers will be glad that Ty Montgomery had a good game. Um, Rushing and passing touchdowns. Um, I'm still not 100% sold him as a running back. And, you know, averaging 3.5 yards to carry isn't amazing, but only on 10 carries. He's not in the same calibre as Devontae Freeman, but, you know, if Packers can get some use out of him. Um, One thing to watch out for from this game was injuries. I talked about Balaga and Bakhtiari. Um, Packers lost Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb and Mike Daniels during this game. Now, supposedly Cobb and Nelson are due back for next week's game against... Who Who are the Green Bay Packers playing next weekend Cincinnati now actually it doesn't really matter does it if I'm resting <laughs> with that. but um yeah it, it's um it's 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 a concern if, if they're going to start picking up injuries and Mike Daniels would be a big miss um Falcons didn't escape unsaved of course we know now that Vic Beasley's out for a month um so yeah tough game attritional game in football and one one very very last thing Atlanta had the ball at 31 10 okay what do they do with the ball they run it. They keep running it. They get first downs running it. So, sorry to refer against the Super Bowl, but I just want to look at it this way because Pete Carroll still throws a ball on first and goal from the one yard line. Well, he would if the offense ever got there. But at least Atlanta have learned a very obvious lesson from a very easy mistake because that's a very easy thing to not do in football. What do you think, Tom? Did you see this game at all? Uh, I did. Uh, also, though, did you see the uh, Raiders game where I believe the ball was on the one-yard line? Uh, Raiders beat the Jets. The ball was on the one-yard line. Uh, Lynch in the backfield. Derek Carr comes up to the line and he audibles and he shouts oh, out gosh. He shouts out Seattle. <laughs> and they throw it on the one-yard line. I mean, come, <laughs> come on, Jack Del Rio. What's, going, what's that all about? <laughs> Kick someone home, they're down. <laughs> but, that, 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 it's some impressive trolling, that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I've, I, you know, I've spoken about them before, before on the podcast. You know, this, this Falcons defense, you know, I mean, uh, especially when they play at home, and, you know, obviously it's not in a dome because the roof was open, but, you know, you, you look at just, this. Just, just, just a reference. Um, I think Deadspin have got that right, referring to their stadium as Megatron's butthole. Um, <laughs> it's not a pretty not a pretty stadium at all. I'm sorry. No, I mean, but this this team, you know, the, the, the players on defense, you know, it, start, it starts with Keanu Neal and uh, Ricardo Allen, the safeties. You know, the, those two fly around, but then the, the linebackers, it's unbelievable. You know, you've got Duke Riley. Uh, he's, he's out of LSU. Then you've got Dion Jones and also Devondre Campbell. This is a group that's going to be 
you know how we, we all know about the Panthers linebacker group and, and there's certain certain units around, around, around the NFL that we know about. This group is probably the most athletic linebacker group in the NFL. The, the three guys are essentially track stars playing back there. You know, they can shut anything down so quickly. You've then got the two really aggressive, fast press corners with Trufant and Alford. Uh, Grady Jarrett, yep, you know, the new guy. Then also people forget about, you know, Don Terry Poe, who, who signed from the Chiefs just to go and win a Super Bowl there, you know, to try and compete. And, and then... Yeah, other side of the ball. The, the, what I, the, the one thing I took away from this game was that they have the same recipe as they did last year on offense, that everything starts with these two running backs, with, with Coleman and Threeman. And once that happens and teams are forced to bring the safeties down, you leave Sanu, Hooper, uh, Gabriel, and then obviously Jones is going to do, do his own thing. Uh, yeah, you know, Rogers struggled, missing both his starting tackles. He was always going to have a bad game. And I agree with you. It, it, it looked awkward at times how he was holding the ball. You know, it, it, it didn't seem like the same smooth release we're used to. You know, it's the ball... You know, obviously, I watched the Dan Marino football life where you know his dad famously said the ball comes up and out, and that's kind of similar to Rogers. He's got this very, very quick release that's very smooth, and it it, it did look a little bit awkward at times. Uh, Falcons O line, I was impressed with. You know, Alex Max is, is probably well, I don't know. It's difficult. I'd say he's probably a top two center in the league. Uh, Schrader is a very good right tackle, but I thought Jake Matthews looked good at left tackle and also the left guard and a Levitri, Levitri. Is this is this is this accurate, Andy Levitri? I, 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 to be honest, half the time I think American footballers mispronounce their own names, so let's just call them what we want. It, the left guard looked good, put it that way. You know that they they, <laughs> they, they, they they did well against a strong Packers uh, run defense. They looked good. Um, Falcons are good, going to be a good team this year. No Super Bowl hangover so far. Uh, I mean, I, I Sarkeesian, you know, we were worried, but when you've got that many playmakers on offense, it's it's hard to to muddle it up or or to to fuddle it. You know, but they they looked impressive. Yeah. The Falcons did. Yeah, Sarkeesian, in many things in life, one of the hardest things to do well is to do nothing. Um, and on Alex Mack, um, it's probably a sign that you've become a real American football fan when you stop making jokes about the secret life of Alex Mack every time someone mentions Alex Mack, um, which is, I think, now where we are. Um, and where we are now, um, speaking of teams throwing it on the one-yard line... Um, Although he didn't get much chance to do it. Ben McAdoo in New York can't throw three consecutive fade routes on the one-yard line if he can't get re- receivers in the game. You watched Detroit Lions against New York Giants, I think. How did that go? I, I did indeed, and it, it was... Everything about this Giants offense, you know, you look at it, they load up, you think it's going to be great. You've got McAdoo, the head coach there, you know, the former offensive coordinator, and it's just so stagnant. Nothing happens on offense. It's so frustrating. I know they're... That you know Manning's playing with his, one of his hands tied behind his back in, with that offensive line in front of him, but I don't know. It 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 seems to be a, re- a recurring theme that's kind of dragged over from last year. That, that seems to be you know missing the point that McAdoo is generally hold generally holding this team back with his play calling. Uh, yeah. I think it's kind of yeah. it's kind of the news today actually that, that, that you know he might he might relieve himself of those duties. That's obviously might do the trick, but I don't know. It's it you know he was brought in very much to, to you know to, to be the head coach and also to. to to take this offense to the next level that's never really happened uh moving on to the lions i was really high on jared davis the linebacker not just because he played for florida uh you know i generally thought he was a you know do it do it all three down linebacker and you know before leaving this game of a concussion he was everywhere he was a force in the run game he excelled in coverage and he also tallied a sack when utilized as an effective blitzer uh oh god i mean this 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 giant solan ezekiel answer looked like khalil mack out there working against left tackers at left he looked, he looked like 2015 ezekiel answer didn't he exactly i mean he, it was a vintage game from him during his young career um he had three sacks against eric flowers who continues to be 
Well, I don't know, there's a lot of bad tackle play, but if you talk about the worst left tackle, I think Flowers has definitely, he's got to be up there. Yeah. Uh, the Giants O-line, just a huge worry. Um, per PFF, they allowed only 0.68 yards per carry before contact. You know, the, the, the running backs had no chance. They were getting absolutely blown up, essentially, in the backfield the whole time. Uh, Giants D-line put together a strong showing, as, as we always thought they would, would do. They and they were part of the reason this was such a close game until you know, Detroit got the special teams TD. Uh, Stafford, I mean, you know, got the big, big, big contract this offseason, but he's playing lights out. I mean, despite missing tackle, Taylor Decker at left tackle, uh, Greg Robinson filling in was poor. You know, Stafford was constantly harassed in the backfield, but he was mobile. He, he He's a really intelligent, you know, quarterback. I, mean, I know a lot of us joked about um, Jim Bob Cooder, the new offensive coordinator last year, and, you know, we all love the name, but, you know, the generally credit due where credit's due. Stafford is playing at a high level of football. Last year, he was kind of like a sleeper MVP candidate, and he started the, the 2017 campaign as a red-hot MVP candidate if this Lions team can keep you know keep winning football games. Uh, strong run game for Detroit. They averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Amir Abdullah I was, was I was surprised and very impressed by that because Amir Abdullah sort of going at that pace is it's pretty much the first time we've seen it in the league, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the Lions have traditionally been a bad running team apart from Barry Sanders. They, 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 they've seemed to have struggled there for a couple of years now. They've... Hit. Here is here is a good start. Sorry to interrupt you again. Here is a good start. Um, the only, there are only two teams who haven't had a hundred yard rusher in either twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen. One is the Rams. Um, Gurley managed one late in twenty fifteen. The other are the Lions. Last hundred yard rusher for the Lions. Do you reckon you can guess it? I don't want to say Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. It's not, no, it's, it's not. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Uh, Reggie Bush in 2013. Oh, I was going to say Reggie. I, I had Reggie Bush. I was thinking, but that, that, that is terrible, isn't it? Yeah, God. that's awful. Well, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, that it was kind of like a, a, a running back by committee, but they, 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 got, they got the job done. And I mean, Stafford's showing a lot more of his legs this year than he has done in years past. Uh, Detroit now 2-0. Uh, they're, they're leading the NFC, the NFC North. Giants are kind of in a hole at 0-2. You know, that's a... That's a competitive division where they always seem to beat each other up in in, in the NFC. So that's going to be a good one to watch. Uh, if McAdoo does, you know, take the headset off, if that's even a thing for the head coach, uh, you kind of get what I'm saying there. If he steps yeah. back from calling the plays on offense, it'll be interesting to see how this Giants team does perform. But, you know, that, that offensive line, I, I feel like we say it every week, but offensive lines or poor offensive lines, they, they wreck game plans and you can't do anything on um, on the offensive side of the ball if you can't pass protect or you can't get any push in the run game. Uh, did you, what, have you got any takeaways from the Lions-Giants game at all? I, I think, I mean, you, you've, you've pretty much summed it up for me. It's, I mean, it was interesting. I can't remember the last time Matt Stafford passed for that those that few yards without looking bad. Um, 122 yards is not what you think for a pass for a team who can't run the ball. And yet here we are looking at 24-10. I have to say, I loved the punt return touchdown from Jamal Agnew. Um, around 20 yards into that, he puts a spin to escape a tackle oh, yeah. and then evades the worst attempt to tackle from the Giants punter. I mean, don't have a go at punters for not tackling, but <laughs> come on, don't just don't just run at someone like they're a zombie. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm not yet sold on the Lions um, because they're the Lions and I feel like that's something that just happens. I mean, there's, um, there's a piece by um, SB Nation writer Louis Bien um, where he basically on the Chiefs where he basically said I'm a Lions fan so every year I pick a different team that I want to win the Super Bowl because I know the Lions won't um, so I, I think 
they're one of these teams that we'd love them to win. We have to believe it when we see it. I think teams like the Vikings, obviously the Browns and Jets and Bills come into that as well. But yeah, it'd be nice to see them getting on there. And, you know, if they if they come up against um, Eric Eric Flowers another 15 times this season, they could get a few wins. <laughs> I feel like anyone who comes up against Eric Flowers could, could, could get a few wins and they'll probably be in the d- Defensive Player of the Year category if they're playing against him week in, week out. Yeah, I mean, anti-Eric Flowers maybe could be a good Defensive Player of the Year candidate. Um, but I think that's it for this um, this week's Games Gone. Um, before we go to previews, just a quick shout-out for the website on which this pod is hosted, the insidezone.com. Um, find us there. There is bags of stuff up there reading. Um, you've got college football content, sort of winners and losers in the, um, in the battle to be drafted next year, games of the week. We've got some reviews up there um, looking at the Washington game against the Rams, Packers, Falcons, um, Dolphins, Chargers, um, Titans, Jaguars. Every, keep checking back because there's stuff going up every day. It's really worth reading. Um, come find us on Twitter at The Inside Zone. Come find us on Facebook at... Um, and this is where I have to quickly remind myself exactly what the link is. It's in it's facebook.com slash inside zone UK. Um, I'm on Twitter at long snaps ranked. Tom is on Twitter at Tom like NFL original, very original by myself there. So let's get on to the previews and we've, we've picked a game each. I've picked two cause I realized that I previewed a game that I wouldn't want any of you to watch, but nonetheless, Tom, why don't you go first? Right. So my game of the week is going to be the Atlanta Falcons at Detroit Lions. Two teams we've spoke about, two teams who are currently 2-0. and uh, This is going to be a fun game to watch. You know, uh, Both teams are kind of kind of hot, trendy teams. Isn't it? Both teams have started the season strong. We're you know, wondering how they're going to you know, get on in the NFC. Are they going to be there late into December and January? Uh, this should be a fun game. You know, the, the, the Lions, it's going to be interesting to see how this team stacks up against a, a genuine superpower in the, in the Falcons. Uh, it's going to be a Strong. It's going to be a hard test for that that Lions O line going up against you know, some of the some of the speedy rushes that Atlanta have. Uh, you know, Jones, Tate, Golladay. That's going to be that's going to be a tough tough task for these receivers going up against you know Trufant, Poole, and Alford. Uh, on the flip side, you know, let's see if anyone can actually slow down these Falcons running backs. Uh, we've got obviously Anz is going to be trying to set the edge. We've got Big Haloti Nata in the middle. Uh, we've got Ashawn Robinson as well is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a big miss about Jared Davis. Now, I, I was looking forward to seeing Davis going against Hooper and trying to shut down, you know, Coleman and mm. Freeman runs the outside. Uh, what I'm going to look forward to is going to, I really, really, really rate Darius Slayer, the cornerback. I'm going to, it's going to be fun to watch him go up against, you know, Julio Jones. Big play Slayer, as um, Robert Mays used to call him. It's going to be fun to see him. Also, Nevin Lawson, who has really struggled so far in his career, he's going to go up against Mohamed Sanu, so Sanu could have a huge game this week. Uh, for me, this one's going to come down to, you know, Matt Ryan versus Matthew Stafford seeing, you know, which... The, arguably, it's those two, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, the, the, the premier... Maybe Drew Brees just about falls into there. Premier quarterbacks in, in the NFC at the minute. It's going to be a good good battle between those two. Uh, yeah, Falcons defense, seeing how they perform for the third week in a row. You know, they, they've, they did well last this week against the Packers. They were mm, okay at times against the Bears, but let, let's see if they can get some more consistency. Uh, Lions defense as well. They did okay against the Cardinals and Giants, but let's see, you know... Is this is this going to be something that's going to let them down yet again and not allow them to advance, you know, far into the postseason? Let's see how they handle that that Atlanta Falcons offense. Uh, you looking forward to the Falcons Lions game? 
I am. My worry for me for Detroit is there's no single unit in that team that I would classify as elite, and you definitely wouldn't say the same about Atlanta. I think there is always something on the field that is a weakness that Atlanta are matched up um, to pick up against. I mean, you mentioned that um, Detroit have got sort of, um, you know, Darius Slade. They've got uh, uh, Glover, Glover Quinn I like in the secondary as well. But like you said, I mean, how good is this linebacker core? Even, I mean, even with Davis as a rookie, it would have been a bit of a test. And yeah. Atlanta, you know, Julio Jones on Darius Slade could go either way, but it doesn't need to go either way if they're getting um, traction from whoever they're having as um wide receiver two or whether that's Sanu or whether it's Taylor Gabriel um, or Justin Hardy. Um, yeah, and just the, the use of those running backs, the way they use them, I'm not sure that Detroit are perfectly built to stop them. We'll see. I think Atlanta looked just a little bit too good in every area of the of the game for my money, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. My, my, um, my, my second pick, sorry, was, was Bucks at Vikings. That'll be a fun one as well. That was, that was my second pick there, just, it, just to sneak that it, in. It will probably depend on who's quarterbacking for Minnesota, I think. Unfortunately, Minnesota, um, yeah. It won't, it won't be very good fun if Case Keenum is a quarterback. No, let, let, let's not watch that if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've kind of... Um, I, I, I previewed a game first, and I'm going to start with that, and definitely take this with a pinch of salt as to whether you watch it, because I've got a better suggestion coming later. But I started writing about Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, God. What a because, statistic. Because... So it's never good to, to focus exclusively on top teams. I say, here is my manifesto. Do not follow the NFL for glory hunting. Um, my hot take on that would be that if you feel like you have to follow the best teams um, so as not to diminish yourself, then by thinking that, you are diminishing yourself. Thus, the Cleveland Browns and Indianapolis Colts. In all likelihood, one of these two teams is going to get their first win of the season, unless it's a tie, nil-nil, it could be. It's a case study in how bad football teams win matches, God. and these two teams are bad. Um, the Browns are young with a rookie quarterback, which is their excuse. Um, the Sean Kaiser struggled against the Ravens, but he won't be the last quarterback to do that this season. How will he be against the Colts? Pretty miserable defence. We don't know. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, there's talent but inconsistency on the Browns' defence. Um, the linebacker call looked good, but they were taken apart by Joe Flacco last week. And Jacoby Brissett, the new Colts quarterback, enjoyed finding Jack Doyle last week. So how will that matchup go? Um, you thought of the Colts as a contender for years. I know I certainly did. We and this, this goes back, obviously, to the Manning era for so long, but then Andrew Luck coming straight in. And you kind of came to real, we kind of came to realise in the last 12, 18 months that... It was only because of Andrew Luck that we thought of him as a contender. Now, Ryan Grigson, um, who is now on the Browns staff, if ever you wanted irrefutable evidence that the NFL is not a meritocracy, he basically failed to sign or draft a single good player to support Andrew Luck. And now Andrew Luck's out. Here we are. So watch it if you want to see how bad football teams win matches. Realistically, though, watch um, the Seattle Seahawks um, in Tennessee against Tennessee Titans. Um, Titans are an ascendant team. Seattle are one of these powers who just have this way of finding a way to win. They've got this incredible defense. Marriott will be tested extensively as to how as to whether you can take it apart. Fantastic tight ends in Delaney Walker and Janu Smith. How do they match up against KJ White and Bobby Wagner? Um, can DeMarco Murray or Hunter Henry get anywhere against that front seven? Um, on the other side, you expect Gerald Casey and Brian Arakpo to have a lot of fun with that O-line. But Russell Wilson, we know, obviously, is very, very mobile quarterback, likes to escape the pocket, extend plays, 
Has well, to. I guess he likes has to do that because, to. Yeah, yeah. because that's his only option, really. <laughs> but if, if, if Wilson can get enough time to connect with Doug Baldwin, he is, um, much like Emmanuel Sanders, one of the very best route runners in the business. And I don't think Tennessee have got a, a real number one cornerback to match up on him. So it'll be interesting to see. So that's next week. Um, now, the bit of the pod you've all been waiting for as um, Tom and I trash talk each other about Pickham. So I think over to you, Tom. How are we doing this year? Right. So this is where it's going to be a big, probably a bit of a big anticlimax because I, I took the executive decision this week before I was booted from my hosting chair that we would review the Pickhams on a bi-weekly basis. So that that... No, no. Oh, okay. Because mm. I thought that way, you know, every week it's like, you know, Five points here, six points here. This way, this way, we're gonna have you know big swings. It's gonna be be quite fun that way if we review them every. I I, I want to see if I'm winning on a weekly basis. Well, okay, we, we will we will hold off this week until next week, and then from then onwards we we will do a week. Oh, we 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 will have we will discuss this. I'm gonna go back to the collective bargaining agreement between you and I and see what we do because because this is. This is absolutely rank surprise. This is like you've just turned up at ACAS with completely unreasonable demands and I'm on the verge of putting on my union hat and storming out. Very French of you. Uh, well, I, th- I think we'll review last week's next week because that, so that way we can, you know, we, can, we can have a few games to review. Uh, this am, I, week, am, I, am I winning? Am I winning? Uh, you yes, you're, I, th- I believe you're quite far ahead potentially. Oh, yeah. I think is, that, is that why? That, that's it. I knew it. I knew it. It's that's not why that, you've that's not reason. Oh, oh, come on. It was an embarrassing week, you know, for, for everyone involved in the Pickums, I think. You know, the big two-pointer didn't go our way. Uh, let's just move on from that. We'll review those next week. Shall we, uh, <laughs> shall, shall we move on to this week? So I've not actually chose my teams yet, but I let you choose the game. So we'll start off the first game. How about I go first, then we'll rotate who goes first, yeah? Let's do it. So the first game is the Baltimore Ravens at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Except uh, it's not actually at the Jacksonville Jaguars because it's in London. If you're going along, have an absolutely great time. It's going to be thrill a minute, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, what what more could the London fan base want than to watch Blake Bortles go up against the, the you know the Ravens defense? Where that, that, that's going to be that's going to be an interesting matchup. He might he might be carried off in a stretcher by the end. I mean, go oh my god, the poor guy is going to be like a, a deer in the headlights. But that no, that that should generally that should be a very good game, you know. Fans are going to get to see a really, really strong defense. Going to see a really good young uh, emerging running back in Leonard Fournette. Hopefully, the Jags' defense puts on a good show as well. That could be that could be a defensive show. That one. That could be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to go for the Ravens. I am going to just because it feels like the sort of game that the Ravens are incredibly skilled at losing. Go for Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a history of winning games in London as well. You know, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're the best at it. Probably got more fans in London than they have in Northeast Florida. Let's be careful with those comments. Uh, <laughs> right, you're picking first in the NFC East showdown between the Giants at Philly. Yeah, and have you seen how good Philly have got a Philly's pass rushes? This game is only going one way, and it's Eric Flowers backwards into Eli Manning at light speed pace as the Eagles win. Fly, Eagles, fly. I'm going for a consensus pick here for Philadelphia. And, and and to think all the crap I took for saying that the Giants oh, might not absolutely walk God. the NFC East. Terrible, eh? Uh, yeah. Who would do a podcast when all your opinions are recorded and people can go back and mock you for them? What, what, <laughs> what idiot did that? Uh, right, next. Cleveland at Indianapolis. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to go for the Colts. Colts over Browns. What about yourself? 
Let's go for the Browns, Browns. I believe. <laughs> Someone has to. Uh, right. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Big one for you. New Orleans at Carolina. Yeah, they say you should never um, pick against your own team, but they say lots of things, so I'm going for Carolina. Keep pounding. Consensus pick Carolina to beat the Saints. Next up, we've got the high-flying Atlanta Falcons taking on Detroit Lions in Michigan. Oh, this is a tough one. I like Matthew Stafford, but I'm going to have to go for the Falcons. Uh, in, think... in in brotherhood, whatever that means, <laughs> we'll go for that. <laughs> that might it, it might be the worst. Hash. I mean, I, Bears one is probably worse because they can't actually use um, what is it? They can't use the one that they yeah they can't use the Bears for some reason. It's like what the hell is going on? Um, but yeah, Falcons. There we go. Um, yeah. Next up is the Raiders at Redskins. Yeah, um, Washington have been kind of better than I want them to be this year. I'm not their biggest fan, if I'm honest. Um, and you should always go for the people you want to win when it's fairly tight. So let's go for Oakland. Oh God, I want to be. I want to be. You know, make it interesting and go for a flashy pick for the. Uh, God. Okay, right. I'm going for it. I'm going for the Redskins. All in on Washington. Attaboy, attaboy. There you go. Just like fish in a barrel for you. Uh, Dallas at Arizona. Now, that's going to be an interesting one, but I'm going to give that to the Cowboys on the road. What about yourself? I think it's got to be the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah. I mean, Palmer just looks done. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it when it, when it it drops off for these old quarterbacks, you know, it, it, the regression it in play, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quickly, you know. We remember seeing Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl season. I mean, that, that, that was grim watching. Uh, finally, you are going to kick us off on the big two-pointer Seahawks traveling to Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. Who have you got for the big two-pointer this week? I feel like this is pretty tight, but I just feel like Seattle have got the ability to completely break down an offense that is not completely clicking and completely oiled, and Tennessee aren't quite there yet. So I think it's Seahawks. Seahawks. I'm going to go for the Titans. Make it interesting. <laughs> that that front seven is going to wreak havoc on the O line. Wilson's going to be running around all day. Uh, the, the Titans got a very good O line. You know, let's 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 see. If yeah, this, they, let's, let's see if the Seahawks can, can do that. Although I, I am worried about seeing you know a Dory Jackson or um <laughs> Logan Ryan on on Doug Baldwin. I think I think I think Jackson's got potential, but potential is um is a tricky beast. He's got potential as a punt, yeah. as a punt returner, but maybe not as a corner in his, in his <laughs> no, first year. I've been a little bit surprised by how good he is, but let's not argue about Adoree Jackson. Um, because that's it. That's this week's pod. As I said, hey, um, go and check out the website, check out the Facebook, the Twitter, um, check out the everything. Um, come find us, come listen, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher. I presume you can subscribe on Stitcher. Um, had a lot of um, good feedback. Give us a five-star review if you um, think we're good. Don't give us a one-star review if you don't. Go review something on Amazon instead. It's a lot more entertaining and people will read it. There we go. Um, I've been Nick Dunkison. You've been Tom Like. You've all been the audience. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Say bye, Tom. Bye, Tom. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website at www.theinsidezone.com. Till next time.